Paperless movement, your productivity, your way. All right, everybody, welcome back to another Productivity Like a Pro podcast episode here. I'm really excited. Today we have a Paperless Movement member with us, Marcel Rutgers. He is from MR Consulting. He has his own consulting company. He's helping out freelancers and small businesses. And what this is all about and what is helping there, he will tell you now by himself. Welcome, Marcel, to the show. Yeah, hi, Tom and Paco. Thanks a lot for having me. I'm honored to be with you. Maybe a couple of words to introduce myself and what I do. So you know that a lot of freelancers and small businesses, specifically people or companies without a marketing department, they struggle with, at some point, providing a really world-class customer journey. So that means from the first touch point in their journey from lead generation up until creating an automated referral system at the back end, there are points where they're losing business or their processes don't work. And that's where I come in, where I help them basically optimize every point of the customer journey so that they can wow their clients and also maximize their revenue by not putting out hundreds and hundreds of hours every week. And of course, for many, many freelancers, so to say, the, the first part in this journey is lead generation, but also a very important part is, that's where iCore comes in, is the part, how can I get more done in a shorter period of time so that I can then decide, do I want to scale this business to like an agency model or whatsoever so that I can hire people and maximize my output? Or do I cap this and say, okay, this is just what I want to do. I want to serve, let's say, four clients a month. But with a framework like iCore, I'm able to achieve that in a much shorter period of time. Now I have more time to pursue other things like spend more time with my family, side project, or educate myself on something, go travel, whatever it is. So what do you find most when you start working with your clients? What do they struggle most with? Because you talk about efficiency in this case, mm -hmm. process optimization, mm -hmm. so improving their efficiency, therefore they save time, therefore they can earn more money in uh, with the time that they have yeah. over. So how do you approach this when you go into these sessions? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a couple of ways how you can see this, but I mean, in the, it boiled down to its essence. It's just like the same way how you would do that with some, with a single individual who's just trying to improve personal productivity. Yeah. There's, there's similar things that apply. Of course, then if we're talking about team collaboration, that's an, uh, that's an additional part that comes in, but it's basically, first of all, there, what I see over and over again, even if it's freelancers or small businesses in whatever it is, the service industry, manufacturer, retail, wherever, they have a lot of cluttered information everywhere. Yeah, so they work with one system here, then you have paper notes somewhere here, you had a meeting with a co-worker that is noted there. Um, there's no real red thread and it's not put together in, in some sort of system where you can really decide, A, do I need that information? And then if you need it, processes it in the right way and put it in the action world if it's necessary. So my starting point is always when I talk with potential clients, be it a single individual as a freelancer or a small company, is we do an audit because it's basically tailor-made. So we do an audit and then we talk about, okay, what can, how's your process at the moment for lead generation? How is your process with your sales funnel, your top of the funnel throughout that all? And how's your process with your referral systems? That is the first part. But then after that, The operational part comes in, and that's where usually we talk about productivity. So um, because if you, for example, 
um, increase the pipeline and you sell a lot more, you're faced with new challenges. Um, all of a sudden, you have to serve maybe eight, nine clients instead of three or four. So how do you do that in your existing setup with your with little to no automation, with maybe a G Drive here, with Google Sheets here, no, no existing CRM, maybe no project management system and so on. So it's hard to keep track. You guys know this. That's what you preach also all the time in the, in the, in the paperless movement membership. If you do not have a coherent system, then it's really hard to optimize. And that's basically always the starting point. I talk to people to find out, okay, what is it exactly what they have at the moment? Where do they struggle? And then based on that, we start recommending implementation of certain tools and processes. But it's tool agnostic, just as with you guys also. So if I walk in, if I talk to somebody, especially for freelancers, Notion is very popular. Yeah, a lot of people use Notion. And I'm also, I'm quite a fan. I believe that ClickUp, for example, is much better for project management purposes, but it depends on the use case. Yeah. And so if they say, hey, I want to really want to keep this and integrate that into a system, then we talk about, okay, this is a system that could work for you. And we then adjust the existing tool that is there. If somebody has something that is really absolutely incredibly terrible, so for example, you use Google Sheets as a project management tool for running 12 different projects at the same time, then we also say, hey, I think you should really consider moving to, for example, ClickUp because of this and this and this reason. So it's not at the moment like a one size fits all um, or like a product at the moment. It's a service that I'm tailoring to everyone individually. But I'm also at the moment looking into productizing this. For example, the starting point here would be for freelancers. So this should be I do not want to build a product that is for freelancers and for small businesses at the same time. I want to keep that separate because both of them have different challenges. So we're starting with a basic product for freelancers there and the productivity part is, is a part of that. But at the moment, it's a service tailored to every specific use case. How long yeah. does it take to provide your services, more or less, on average? I mean, how, much, how long do you stay with working with a client? Usually I serve about three to four clients a month and it takes me about a week with a client. But then for some clients, they are on retainers. So it depends if we're implementing a whole client journey from start to finish there with every little point that can be a whole month. But if it's only, for example, let's say we help them with lead generation and then we focus on, okay, what are you going to do when all these leads come in? Are your processes in order? And that's the second part. Then usually that's one week for the lead generation and another week for to put all the processes in place. But then the crucial part is, can they stick with the process? So normally what I do is in my calendar, I have a three-month uh, follow-up uh, appointment schedule and a six-month follow-up appointment. That is not even part of the proposal. So it's a bit like a um, cherry on top of the cake. I usually don't even tell them about that on, uh, up front. And then, uh, now everybody well, now knows. They know. now, they yeah, know. Now, now it's not a secret anymore. <laughs> so, But th then I reach out and I say, hey, how is the system going? Do you need any additional help? So I provide this done, additional piece of value without charging for that because that really also helps them. Giving additional value that people not expect has helped me tremendously in the past, also for creating referral systems and all of these things. Then. It would be interesting now to see with your consulting business, but this is not what you've done all your life, right? So no. you, 
come from experience and you built yes. a consulting business out of this experience? Where? Yeah, what I did, where I, I used to work in corporate for 20 years. I started right after I finished high school and then in parallel to university, started working for a big uh, furniture retail company from Sweden, blue and yellow, uh, for <laughs> around about 20 years, worked in different countries for them. And the last position was here in the Netherlands. And then during COVID, I decided to start my own business. That's always what I wanted to do because also my parents were small business owners. And that's why I focus really on freelancers and small businesses because if I work with them as my clients, what drives me is also that I can see results and success rather immediately or in a very short term. You can really feel like as if you're doing something meaningful and you can see the results. What I was struggling with in corporate was next to all these um, very stagnant and bureaucratic processes sometimes not to say that that company was like that it was is an amazing company but still corporate is different there is that yeah you couldn't really see the fruits of your work the results of your work you couldn't really see that and that is the, that is very different with small businesses or freelancers that gives me a lot of a lot of motivation and also i believe that they are able to create a lot of there's a lot of people that could give more value if they only have the opportunity to. So, yeah, that's why I decided to start working with small businesses and, and freelancers. Well, that's amazing. I can 100% relate to this as well as I come yeah. from corporate. And that was one of the reasons to double down on the paperless movement as well. Yeah. Understand this. Now, the question would be, as you have all this experience and you already doing consulting and process optimization, what's brought you to the paperless movement and go through ICO and actually yeah. telling us that you liked our process. So how how have we been able to even help you? Well, uh, you, you've been able to able to help me tremendously. Um, so thank you for that uh, to start with. Uh, well, I mean, I've always been, I would always consider myself to be productive. Also during my corporate days, uh, I, the output was always there. But it wasn't always in the most structured way. That's why I also said, okay, this is something I really want to tackle because I have I have been through this myself and I've found techniques, tactics, strategies and whatever to overcome this and also a lot due to the help that you guys provided. So, I mean, it all started with basically uh, I used to just write down everything in my notebook, pen and paper. Um, then I moved through different productivity systems. I started uh, GTD back in the days when you uh, didn't have a smartphone and you had to use a palm or something yeah. like that. I'm sure you remember these days as yeah, well. Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> I can relate to that a lot. <laughs> yeah. And then you had to plug them into sync to your Outlook and all of these things, you know. And But it, I mean, I think worth mentioning that the GTD, when I stumbled upon that, David Allen's book, and then the whole methodology, that was the first eye-opener for me. We really created a system and it worked for me. And I mean, if you look at a lot of productivity tools nowadays, they're still built according to a GTD methodology. And I do believe if you have, a, let's say, a limited scope, that still works quite well. And I still find myself sometimes working with that. But so I think it's something you can build on. And then I basically I really tried every productivity methodology whatsoever out there. But I was really, I had the problem that I was going back and forth between systems, never really stuck with one system. I tried something for three months. It was okay. It was working, but it wasn't really that I felt, okay, now it, this really the coin has flipped it, that that really works for me i went back and forth also between paper and electronics 
read the how's it called the bullet journal method I think or so a couple of years ago that resonated with me because what I like about this idea is sometimes I really want to be away from the screen be it a phone screen or whatsoever any type of screen and I actually found myself in the last couple of weeks writing more down on paper again but with the difference that now I can integrate it into a workflow I'm coming to that in a second but um, so nothing bad about paper but so I was going back and forth between paperless and paper not really syncing anything and then I mean you know the struggle you look for something and you're like oh my god where did I write this down in one of my 500 apps on my phone or was it on paper or where was it so it wasn't really coherent then I stumbled uh what's it called the second brain here Tiago Forte and I really like reading the book I think he also had good points in, in in some ways but then i really liked your analogy that i heard a couple of times from you also we have one brain with two parts not two brains and what i all was always missing was a bit there or maybe i didn't get it but for me it wasn't clear the connection between the information world and the action world and how to get that all together and then coming from from this corporate background i then discovered the paperless movement and it really resonated with me that you said this is for busy professionals yeah not only for like knowledge workers researchers what's for busy professionals and then i became a member i saw your courses really resonated with me it's concepts that are really easy to grasp it's let's say implementation is simple but not easy that means that you have to be disciplined in the beginning to put it all together but um it's very coherent and my the main point why I like it so much is that I always know where to put something so I have a use case for everything that I have and it's tool agnostic if I have to if one app disappears tomorrow I know I can replace that with another one and just use the same workflow and also that you have this action and um, information world and in my case because I am self-employed a lot of the things like the business management knowledge management the personal knowledge management blends into each other because it's not separate but um this was one of the points that really resonated with me because i also said that yes i work with small businesses and freelancers but a lot of these things that busy professionals let's say bigger corporations face they've also faced and they could really learn something from um standard dice procedures sops and all of that have been created in the corporate world so yeah long story short i tried a lot of different uh, productivity systems then i came to the paperless movement and that was the first one that i really stuck with and felt that made me in the long term more productive well that's awesome to hear thank you very much for explaining your journey there and going through the icot journey and as you resonated so much And we had a talk with you already about this. You became also an iCore expert. So we have very mm -hmm. few verified iCore experts. So this means uh, when you're doing your consulting, that people, know you, when you're an iCore expert, that you are aligned with the iCore principles. So you can mm -hmm. able now to roll out these two agnostic approaches as well with your yeah. clients as well. Obviously, you're not working for us. You're not, you know, no. we are not <laughs> receiving any money or anything like that. But the thing is that it makes it much easier to follow the processes, to improve the process for your clients. And we are happy that we are part of this journey for you. 
Yeah, in my case, Marcel, I'd like to ask you something because, well, and since the moment that you joined the member, yeah. you start interacting inside the community with the different busy professionals that are in there. And something that really resonated with me was because we are always trying to find out the differentiation between the before and after, you know, when people come here and then how they evolve and they change their mindset and, and well, their processes, workflow, and I think the approach to those two different worlds, okay, mm -hmm. information and action, because I think that one of the main problems is that I think that nobody, I can say, at least explains so clearly the differentiation between those two worlds. And they are all the systems that are out there, methodologies or whatever, they talk about this both worlds simultaneously they merge and there are a lot of blurry things there and then it's mm -hmm. when people get confused i think and as i love outliners and i well i joined tana since the first day and you did exactly the same and i can remember a, an entry that you made in the community where you say that you the approach to tana had mm -hmm totally changed it after going through the I-Core journey. Could you please explain that experience and what was your approach before I-Core and what was your approach talking about Tana after going through the I-Core journey? Well, the, when, when Tana was released, I was on the waiting list and I was on the waiting list for quite a while and then I got really excited when it launched. I think they did a great job with the UX. It looks really good. And that's a very important point for me in any app I'm using. If it if the UX and the UI doesn't match, I really have too much friction in using it. So that's just in the beginning. I think when I started using Tana, I was really, I wanted to use it for everything. Yeah, I wanted to basically replace Notion with Tana and squeeze everything in there and, and use it as a task manager, write notes, writing tool, for everything but that didn't really work for two reasons a is that um, i was really overwhelmed because the there wasn't really that much information there was like a few couple couple of videos from the founder that explained how to use it but i was sitting there and i was feeling really dumb <laughs> i thought like oh my god you need a phd to understand this and then here you that, that's a super note that's well, the super thing is i got a phd and i didn't get it either <laughs> Okay, good. <laughs> so that doesn't mode. help at all. Okay. <laughs> Another no. example where a title doesn't help you out. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that was a huge learning for me. It was a huge learning for me because I, it was like, I really wanted to like the product. And I really, uh, let me say this, I really like the product because I don't use it actively in my current workflows. I, I'm, I still have the product on my Mac. It's there when I need it. And I'm following the company very closely because what they're trying to do with the computer models and how they build this product, I think is really amazing. And they're adding a lot of new features also now. But this tool has such a steep learning curve. So that was one thing that um, basically uh, where I was at the beginning like, okay, I'm not going to spend that much time on actually learning this tool because I can also do what I have to do with other tools and actually focus on the work that I want to get done. Because that's also why so many people on Obsidian get lost. They spend like a whole day on designing Obsidian how they want, but then in the end you're sitting there and like, okay, how much actual work did you actually get done? And I'm not, don't get me, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that's not for me because I have other stuff that I have to get get done. So that was a bit the reason. Okay, I would put that on the on the sidelines, but then 
I came back to Tana and with ICOR in mind, I had a better understanding of what it is and what it's not. So for example, when you look at the shallow thinking and I have an idea and I want to use it as an outliner and jot down thoughts, it was amazing. Like really state of the art. They have a good AI integration also. So I, I used it for a specific workflow and I'm looking forward to keeping that in mind and seeing, okay, how can I even integrate that further into my workflow? For example, what I use it for at the moment is since they allow to have public pages, yeah. you can really public a page if you make a, if I make a guideline for a client or so, and I just have it in a note and it looks really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So I, that's a use case that I could uh, think of, but what it, what I could taught me basically is I don't have to use some, I don't have to press myself into an app. If it doesn't fit my workflow, yeah, I can take the workflow that I have, the tool agnostic approach, and then see, okay, this app, they actually fit um, better. So, for example, I use Reflect Notes now for, for the use case. And that's, to me, it's, it's fantastic because I just open it, start writing, and I don't have to worry about anything. There's no learning curve with this. It's super easy to handle. So, for me, in my specific use case, that's the best. But, yeah, that's what ICO taught me. Also, not only related to Tana, but also for other tools. It's like, yep. don't make it just about the tool. See what you, how you want to work, and then basically pick the ones that fit fit that workflow best. Exactly. So that's a perfect use case there. Thanks for sharing. And well, you like Reflect so much that you actually made a mini course that our members can watch inside the membership. So you have your own area there as an ICO expert. And there's the course about Reflect and how you use Reflect. Yeah. So for anybody who wants to check this out, you're welcome to join us and check out this mini course. But this being said, getting back to the Tana, also still in this boat where I'm using Heptabase and Tana, and I know that Paco is using heavily a specific workflow with Tana and Heptabase and Reader, and Tana is his beloved outliner, and he leverages all the functionalities in there. But I see it the same way when I went to Tana, I thought it's an overkill for what I want to achieve in there, and it's then too restrictive for what I want to do. So for example, long form text and having headers and writing something mm. is not possible. Yeah, no markdown. Yeah. But building databases is amazing. Yeah, using the super tags and the flexibility that you have there. But you mentioned this steep learning curve. And with all the things that we have on our plate and all the courses building <laughs> and so on, I was looking for a relaxing mode as well. Taco, taco, <laughs> taco. Well, I taco eat my taco. little taco. <laughs> <laughs> taco is using Tana since day one and he grew with each update and everything. So that's a different point yeah. than somebody coming into Tana. You have to watch a course or something to really wrap yeah. your head. You, as you mentioned, if you go to the website, it's not easy. They're now bringing out updates where they try to improve this onboarding. But I still think if you try to go through super tags and then inherit other tags, it's never really clear what really happens, what you do. Yeah. There. You can break things very easily. So I can really relate to this reflect because it's amazing. As you say, It is very simple. And that's the feeling that I have when I go to Heptabase. So I rather mm -hmm. have now the, well, let's call it friction that I bring in my shallow thinking into Heptabase. Also, they have, well, there's no way to capture at all when it comes to mobile or anything like that. Mm -hmm. 
you can create new cards, but there's no sharing. So this gives me a lot of friction. Then also to getting the information back when I need it in a shallow thinking system, like reader, this is amazing where mm -hmm. you then go through your shallow stuff. That's something where I really see heptabases for deep thinking. That's it. So mem, we killed mem. So for me, this yeah. was really the ultimate kill because this was my shallow thinking system and I used it on a daily basis and the AI was just good enough to emerge the things that I was looking for, but I still had a subtle thing of structure, not much, but there was enough structure to organize your notes. Yeah. Now there's just a search bar and AI yeah. does everything. That's killed it. So reflect. I'm really always uh, attracted to reflect more and more. And now I'm seeing your course. So um, we yeah. are really checking out all these alternatives as well. But what do you think about this as well? You've been using Heptabase as well, you mentioned, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And Heptabase, well, I started using that right after I saw your YouTube video, of course. So I think there were two ultimate kill videos in a row. One was well, Lazy. <laughs> and I got really excited about Lazy. We still have um, no I, access to Lazy. Me neither. So me neither. I'm still on the wait list, but you don't even get an update or anything. It's just like, okay, okay. is this ever going to happen? But it looks <laughs> so, so good. I mean, this teaser video that they made is really, really fantastic. But anyway, and then I saw Heptabase. Heptabase, I, I think the team, how they develop is amazing. For my specific use case, they're not 100% there yet. I use it, but I don't use it as often as I thought I would use it because I'm more like even when I go into deep thinking, I'm more of a type to write everything out. I do not do that much of mind mapping or something, but I can see that is already beneficial for me because I did when I was thinking about some structures for future products and everything, I did that in Heptabase and I could see the benefits. I think one point where that could really tip this over is when they integrate the AI um, in a really nice way into the app mm. they had. And when I started using it, they had this AI assistant. And now I think they killed it because when I log into the app, the AI assistant is no longer there. But I do believe they're working on some sort of AI integration there. But if they would pull off something similar to Reflect Notes there, I think that would be fantastic because that's one of the things about Reflect Notes is I write something and then I just mark all the text. They have a GPT-4 integration naturally. And then I can improve my text. I can reformat the text. I can automatically backlink the text. So I don't have to do that on my own. And I think about, did I forget the backlink now? I can make a tweet out of that. I can do all sorts of that. I can even do research with it. And so there are so many things that you can do with the AI and reflect with just one or two clicks. And if Heptabase is able to implement something similar to that, I think that would be really next level for them. I think they made a great step now with the tasks that they have in there and the inbox would be amazing. But I think you guys already were pushing for this also. Uh, uh, yeah, I published a video about this as well already. And I think yeah. this is where we really see that the perspectives shift Right, we are busy professionals, and we use Heptabase in a different way than probably the developers themselves, as they are more knowledge yeah. workers. And then the biggest community are students and knowledge workers. Mm. That's what we what we see there, especially when you look at the releases and the focus. So we are happy about the task thing, but the inbox, <laughs> mm -hmm. as you know, as a Payless Movement member, inbox is such an essential thing. But this being said, yeah. Marco, I think you can say something about the difference between using Tana and Heptabase because Marcel mentioned something interesting 
there as well that he's more text based and then mm -hmm. he organizes the things and i know that paco does equal workflows right you have a specific tool for a specific use case yeah because well i'd like to say before going deep into that topic is that first i think that the background of every person has a deep impact into the tools that you end up using for me As a computer science engineer, for me, you know, an outliner is something that really resonates with me. You know, it's a way of just throwing ideas to create the initial backbone of, of something. Okay. That's for me what an outliner is. That's why, well, I fell in love with workflowing and I was using it for, well, I don't know, quite a long time. Okay. Because Some people say that we are constantly switching tools and things like that, and that's not true, okay? <laughs> the other day, I don't know why, but the other day someone refers to one password or something like that, and I say, well, man, I went, and I think it was 2015 when I started using one password, so you can imagine eight years. We still don't know. <laughs> I spent 10 years. Well, I don't know. Many, some people think that they should stay with the same tool for 20 years. That's not my approach, okay? Because I think no. that there are a lot of tools emerging every day. And yeah. because of that, I think that the background is one thing. And the other thing is your day-to-day -day work. I mean, because I end up going back, because for instance, I tried to kill, whenever we went into Eptabase, I tried to kill the workflow and Tana at that moment because I switched to Tana because for me it's like, well, the other day, Winkel said that it was the calendar on steroids or something like that. Well, I think that <laughs> Tana is the workflow on steroids, okay? Because they uh, make an amazing move that it's going into the database world in a way that, that for me it's pretty intuitive, okay? Because at the end, it's what I've been doing all my life. So for me, creating a database relational model, it's something that it's pretty easy, pretty obvious. And the outlining also, because I have been working, and for me, that I have a lot of meetings, ideas that I think it's something, things that I need to write down, and I want to go deep into a certain idea, then move backwards. And all that thing inside Eptabase is something that I cannot do, okay? No matter that they have bullets and that thing. But... The point is, and I will write an article about that concept, that sometimes a bullet helps you a lot, okay? The concept of outlining, because when mm. I want to just throw certain ideas and move them up and down, go a little bit deeper into one of them and things like that, a bullet helps you. But the moment that you really want to go and express yourself, you need freedom, you know? And the bullet then becomes an obstacle. And that's the moment that I move into Eptabase, okay? I move there and I have all the space that I need to really express because there are things, moments that you need to express with, I don't know, with conjunctions, you want a paragraph, You, I mean, a bullet, it's an mm. obstacle that it's on your way and you lose the momentum, okay, of your brain process. And that's the moment that I move. When I see that the bullet becomes an obstacle, that comes out naturally, okay, without forcing the thing, because that's something also important. We don't need to interact with a tool with friction, okay, <laughs> because I, yes. I, there, are, there are constantly, you know, eh, there are a lot of people that say that Tana is amazing, it's amazing, and they keep fighting and suffering and but man what the heck a tool is to help you enhance <laughs> yeah. your process yeah. to be faster better to improve your quality your performance that's if not if a tool is an obstacle or a pain in the ass 
forget about it, man. <laughs> Tana is not paying to you at all, uh, no matter the, that there are thousands of people using it out there, okay? And for me, that's second nature. And also, the moment that when I go through an outliner, because for me, the point about an outliner is that it's pretty fast, okay? I cannot mm -hmm. fast with a visual thinking tool, okay, moving thing. For me, at that moment, I have thought about 10 ideas and I have just represented in the tool two of them. And I'm still moving the arrows and things like that. So at that moment, for me, so what do I do? I keep forcing the outlining experience until I see that it's a mess, man, that I'm mixing things. Now ideas belong to three or four elements. And then I say, wait, I step back, go to the visual, So there are millions of use cases, and then it's really difficult to find out a workflow that perfectly fits. For instance, the other day I was preparing an important meeting, and I said, well, man, for this, I want to see something visual that I can interact with different colors also. That helps a lot, okay? And I create, like, big areas that I want to express or go deeper. And the beautiful thing about Eptabase is that whenever I see the big box, I can go there and start mm -hmm. creating text and developing that idea freely. And even using bullets if I want to create a certain structure. And I think that balance in Eptabase is amazing. But that's totally different. And I think that most of busy professionals are not into the deep thinking thing. Okay? They are yeah. just apart. I think that's the Pareto principle okay, of IT20, where the 80% of their time is about shallow thinking. Man, is I just want to write something down. It, it was an idea, random, a, a meeting. A, I don't know, that type of thing. No? That website that I love or that resonated with me, this email, I don't know, this chat, this conversation in WhatsApp, I don't know. And that's where the mess begins because <laughs> the point is, what do I do? How do I capture that? How can I retrieve? How? Because you feel like that you are missing opportunities. And I think that feeling... No, the famous FOMO, but it's something It's real big. The key element and the key differentiation is distinguishing in the shallow thinking between that subtlety. And again, subtleties are what matters. When you see that the shallow thinking there are moments, yes, sometimes I have a random thought, but sometimes it's not a random thought. It's something that I have perfectly structured, maybe just two or three points, but they have a sequential, an organization, a hierarchy, whatever. And there is where we are right now fighting. I'm pretty close to find out a workflow that we consider that, especially for busy professionals, will be pretty useful because I think that most of the people are fighting on a daily basis with the same use cases that we are dealing with. And I think that's the beauty of being you know, into this market niche called busy professionals because more or less we are facing the same scenarios on a daily basis. Yeah. About your clients, I have a question as well. So when you have these clients, do you talk only about the specific marketing tools? Uh, besides now, you should use ClickUp maybe as a project manager. Or do you give general productivity advice there as well? Because everything links back to being more efficient. For example, where do I write down my meeting notes with my client, right? So that's... Yeah, uh... yeah I mean, I usually first try to talk about, and that's something I learned from you guys specifically also, I really try to talk about workflows and processes first yeah, and putting together a system in place. And then there are at some points then also product recommendations yeah, for like a, you should use this tool or this tool. Or for example, if something is really, really easy, somebody's just starting out, um, they are maybe a solopreneur or they're only with one or two people. 
Um, they want basic knowledge management system where they can put some wikis in and also a little bit of product functionality. Notion is a good alternative. Yeah, They don't have to move to something paid right away. And then that's really, I don't try to sell them something in cash in the affiliate commission then because I do believe that I believe in long-term partnerships and I think you should do what's best for your client. Then uh, good things will come to you. So then I'm totally fine with recommending that. And because I think it's really important, what Paco said earlier is that you have to look at, okay, what fits the situation? Like if you have a busy professional and 80% of what they do is shallow thinking, or it also, you can even distinguish in there between, okay, somebody's a manager. So there's a lot more focus on team collaboration, taking notes, projects and stuff like that, rather than maybe a specialist or someone that, that has to develop something or works with a product or so. So there you even might need different tools again. But normally for the companies that I work with, they we're talking about um, either freelancer on their own. So then it's rather simple to put these together. I say, hey, you should think about PKM, note-taking, task project management, basically use a similar framework to what, what, what you guys are recommending there. And then um, it's about, okay, these... There's a couple of tools here that would fit this category, this and this, according to your budget. If somebody has a small budget, this could work. If I mean, Reflect Notes, if you compare it to Obsidian, Obsidian is free. Reflect Notes, they just took away, for example, the monthly plan, I believe, and only have, you have to pay 110 per year or so, I believe it was. Uh, so that's quite a, quite a difference. So it also depends on, do I want to spend money on this, yes or no? And then if I look at small teams, then we go through process start to finish, Usually one thing I do is recommend a certain CRM system and then um, going through the process. If they work, for example, if they have a project management system, like if Monday is already there, uh, monday.com as an example, and the only reason why it doesn't work is because they do not work with the system in the correct way, uh, Yeah, then I'm not trying to force them into ClickUp or whatsoever. I just say, hey, uh, Monday is also a good tool. Use it, implement these and these workflows in there. Um, but if there's nothing, I usually default to ClickUp because it's a very universally applicable system. You can tailor it to your needs really easily. Some people might need a bit of guidance on it, but yeah, that really depends on who I'm talking to. But over a couple of months or years, you get quite a good feeling when you talk to somebody in an onboarding call or introduction call. I believe this is what, what they would need. I believe this is good for their use case. So it becomes more and more crystal clear. And especially if you have a framework like iCore, which I can think of internally for myself, then I can really give the right recommendations based on that. Because it doesn't only work for, let's say, busy professionals in a corporate setting. It also works for people in a small business environment. It works for freelancers. I mean, I'm a freelancer. I work by myself the whole day. By default, I wanted to do that. I didn't want it to rely on anybody else. I sometimes work with virtual assistants or with partners or so, but mainly by myself. And I implemented that for me and it works really, really well. It gives me so much clarity um, and I build certain routines around that system. So for example, this morning routine, I don't have an elaborate Andre Huberman-like morning routine where I get up at four o'clock and then I meditate for three hours. Then I run five times around the block before I have breakfast and uh, do cold exposure. I, um, a good point about that. It's at seven o'clock, you are done. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I get up and then I try to do some like stretching and all these things to get my body out of bed and get up and running and everything. But then what I do is I write, I open my laptop 
and I open Reflect. I use Reflect for that, but you can use any other app. And I basically brain dump everything in there. I write down everything that I have on my mind and I have my weekly planning done. So my basic structure for my calendar is done. I make sure all the tasks that have to be done in the day are in the calendar because I think that's also a quote from you. Your to-do list is infinite, but your calendar is uh, finite. So you have to make sure everything is on there. But then you always, everyone has this. You write down things and random thoughts, things you just thought about, and then you feel like, okay, this is something I really have to do today. So I put it in the calendar or anxieties I have that are on my mind. If you externalize that, write it out, you can work with it. And that's why I love Reflect so much. Once I did that, I marked the text. I let AI improve my writing and take out the key crystallize it in some key takeaways and then I see are there some action points I have to take action on and then I put them further through my workflows into task management or whatsoever but I that helps me get started with the day with a clear head and I know exactly what I have to do and it's also something it's a bit like scheduled worry time where in the morning even everything that worries me or that is on my mind I can compress that into this time write it out put it in there then afterwards I can focus on something else again because I know the next day I have a time window again where I can focus on that stuff. So it doesn't have to be on my mind all the time. And I think that fits really well into the iCore framework and no matter which tool you're using for this, but um, yeah, that, that helped me tremendously. Well, that's amazing. I think we could go on for hours here because another a variation dropped here crm that i would be really interested in to learn more about what crms you actually recommend and then have a whole other discussion about this maybe we have but to do a second round <laughs> at some point <laughs> we will do this in a second round well if people want to meet you they meet you obviously in the paperless movement membership as you are in there as well yes yeah, people will also see your ico framework and the tools that you use in your business for yourself mm -hmm. but where else can they meet you know no no need to sign up to meet you right Yeah, yeah, no, uh, you can always find me on marcelrutgers.com. Maybe we can drop that link in the link below. And then also I'm very active on um, X, formerly known as Twitter. So that's my main channel. I'm also on LinkedIn, but I'm not that active on LinkedIn. I'm more active on Twitter. I really like that medium because you can express yourself now in threads, in short form tweets, in, in long form posts. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on, also a lot, lot of crap, but that's where I grow basically also an audience. So I express also a lot of things that I'm thinking about, concepts, ideas, um, concrete workflows, sometimes also templates I'm using and all of these things. So either on the website or on X is the best way to reach me. And what's the handle on X? That is Rutgers, R-U-T-T-G-E-R-S 83. All right. So without the E. So that's uh, the website is Marcel Rutgers, R U E T T G E R S. On Twitter, it's Rutgers, so R U T T G E R S 83. Reason for that is because I'm German. My last name is Rutgers with an U, so with an umlaut on top. And sometimes there's a bit of a mix up in English. You can write it either just with a U or with an UE. So I know that's not ideal. That's, that's it for now. <laughs> oh, in the same boat yet again as Rudel yeah. is exactly yeah. the same. <laughs> Marcel, thank you very much for this amazing session. Thanks a lot session. for having me. And um, there will be definitely a follow up. So if you want to meet Marcel again in this podcast, make sure to follow and we'll catch you up next time. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.